from the Bristol Herald Courier, I'm Delina Matthews, and this is On the Record. This week on the record, Robert Sorrell speaks with members of the Appalachian Service Project about their race week event to build homes for veterans at Bristol Motor Speedway. And Brian Woodson and Alan Gregory break down the results of the Food City 500 in this week's sports roundup. So what are we doing out here with the race to build? Race to Build, this is our fourth annual event. It is our third collegiate competition. We have three universities competing to build a home as fast as they can. We began Friday morning and we will complete the homes Sunday at noon. We'll have a closing ceremony at 12.30. And the purpose of this event is to draw attention to substandard housing in Appalachia and that we provide free emergency home repair and home replacement to folks in need. We work in five states and we do emergency home repair primarily in the summer months. But the goal of this event is to, one, give these colleges some real life experience. Doing a competitive competition, it looks wonderful on their resume and it really helps us get these homes completed. And two, these homes are gifted for three veterans in Johnson City. So these homes will be moved in the next two weeks to their permanent properties. So we'll go move them with a house mover and they'll sit on their foundations. And these are being gifted completely free of cost. Now, where are the college students from? We've got Iowa State University. They are the returning champions. This is their third time participating. We've got University of Nebraska. And we've got East TSU. So how is Iowa the returning champions? How were they so they have won year? the last two years. Okay. So this is their third time. They're defending their title. Okay. We'll see. They're neck and neck right now with the University of Nebraska. So we'll see if they can pull it out. So does, is it, does the winner the one that um, plays the first, I guess? So they are judged on their speed, their accuracy, their efficiency with materials, and safety. Okay. So the winner of the competition, in addition to participating in the build and, and being a part of something bigger, they will get $5,000, so scholarship for the program, and then the two runners-up will get a $2,500 scholarship. Okay. So how were the um, three veterans selected for this? So we have income qualifications for our funding sources, but we were looking for people who were interested in living in Johnson City, who qualified under that income parameter and who needed stable housing. So all three of these households had living conditions that were either unstable, they were couch surfing, or their properties um, were sort of beyond the scope of home repair. They needed something new. So the homes, you have like a, like a basic design that you use? Yeah, we have our architect is on our board. His name is John Crandall. And we have one template for all of our homes. That template, though, can be modified for each household to accommodate one, two, or three bedrooms. All three of these homes are three bedroom, one bath, and with a front covered porch and a back porch. So we anticipate by the end of this weekend, because the weather has been so fantastic and these crews are doing great, we anticipate that all the siding, the windows and doors, and the um, tar paper on the roof will be down, and that is when we would wave the checkered flag. So we won't be putting on any roofing products here because as we move the homes down the road, it would risk blowing away. Um, but we will wave the checkered flag when all those steps are completed. So they, they started with the floor system, and they framed up the walls from there. 
Do you also, I guess, supply the homes with um, appliances, things like that? Yes, sure. they will be fully furnished. Our partners at Grand Home Furnishings generously gave the full house worth of furniture to East Family, and we will provide appliances and cabinets and the rest of the outfittings. Okay. So where are the materials from? So some of our major sponsors for this event include the Home Depot Foundation, and that okay. helps to cover the cost of a lot of our materials. We also partner with the Federal Home Loan Bank of Cincinnati, and that allows us to pay for some of the materials and overhead and things like that. We've got other partners like the Sam Family Foundation, um, Braswell Family Farms, and the Jorgen Family Foundation. So we've got a few other funders, Colson Family Foundation, that will help cover some of the other costs like moving the homes and um, doing some excavative work and things like that. And would you mind telling me a little bit about Appalachia Service Project, what you do? Yeah, gladly. Appalachia Service Project is a Christian ministry open to all people, and we invite volunteers to come do home repair throughout central Appalachia. And our mission and vision is to eradicate substandard housing and to transform the lives of all who come into contact with the ministry. So this is just a snapshot of what we do. We build new homes, but really the core of what we do is create long-lasting relationships with the families that we serve to not only create long-term friendships, but just to instill a little bit of hope that there's something beyond um, the troubles that they're experiencing now and that there's a lot of stability that a new home can bring. Do you primarily repair homes instead of build? So the core of our program is emergency home repair. We serve 25 counties in five states, and we welcome about 13,000 volunteers during the summer months to do that across that five-state region. So in emergency home repair, we mean roofing, flooring, room additions, things that really are critical, urgent needs in that moment. And we're able to do some of the proactive repairs, some preventative measure repairs as well. So that is the, the core of what we do. We also do year-round home repair at a couple of our year-round facilities in Jonesville, Virginia, Guyan Valley, West Virginia, and in the Tri-Cities we have a home repair program. We also do disaster recovery. We're actively serving in West Virginia, in the Greenbrier County area after floods two and a half years ago. We are finishing up our disaster recovery program in Gatlinburg after the wildfires and our presence in East Tennessee, we have a new build program starting up in Hancock County, in addition to our presence here in the Tri-Cities. So what does it take to bring all these resources together for an event like this? Building three homes over one weekend? Yeah, it's a, it's a um, I mean, it, this is months and months of work, plus learning from you know, this is our fourth fourth year to do this, and so we've learned a lot, you know, over the years of how to do it better. And I think you can tell that by how fast these these homes have gone up this year. Um, but I mean, we're raising basically eighty-five thousand dollars per home that we've had to raise to be able to pull this off, um, and um, so obviously that adds up to there's a lot of fundraising that we're doing. Um, we've had uh, uh, Stanley Black and Decker. Uh, donated tools. Um, we've had uh, Royal Building Products right out of Bristol. Um, they donated all the siding. Uh, Brand Home Furnishings. Um, they they are donating all the um, uh, furniture for all three homes. Um, Federal Home Loan Bank of Cincinnati. Uh, they're a big funder. And then um, and also the Home Depot Foundation. Um, those are all big funders that we have come together. Um, and then also. You know, we've got Food City that donated food, um, uh, Bojangles, uh, so and, and you kind of see a lot of the different partners that we've got, but 
yeah, the big thing is just is, is giving what I have experienced in my life is that there's a lot of people that 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 want to give back, but they don't always know how. And so we've been able, this is a great opportunity for people to give back um, in a way that, you know, maybe they had never thought about doing. And um, so it's a, it's a fun way for for us to get more people involved. Um, so, yeah, building materials. Um, and we you know, working with local distributors. Um, obviously, Home Depot is the big one. Um, so but building materials, the schools. So this is Iowa State. Um, University of Nebraska and ETSU. Um, they're building construction programs. Um, University of Nebraska actually came last year just to scout it out, and so they kind of had their own game plan coming okay. up. Uh, and then uh, Southeast Missouri State, um, they're here this year looking at it, um, so scouting it as well. So I hope they want Who's to involved last year? Um, Iowa State, because this is their third year, because they've Keep winning. Um, Middle Tennessee State University out of Murfreesboro and um, Auburn University in Alabama. Okay. So those three. Um, we always want to get. So the first year was um, Iowa State, Virginia Tech, and UT, and then MTSU and now ETSU. So we're trying to keep the local flavor uh, involved as well. The first year, did you do with the Battle of Bristol, or was that the second year? Well, our very first year, we actually we. Um, we started on Monday morning with all local volunteers and contractors. Built we built the home from from zero to bedspreads in 60 hours. But the problem was we had a brand new house when all the race fans rolled in, and so then everybody was like, "Oh, are you giving away a free house? Or what are you doing?" You know, they didn't get the fact that we were built. It was for you know veterans and you know showing that there was a uh, uh, you know this is more excitement. So we, we switched it up and actually made it an actual race. So do you hope to do this again? Absolutely. Yeah. Are yeah. there already efforts to start for next year? Yeah, like I said, I mean, Southeast Missouri State's already scouting it out. Um, you know, we've got a great relationship with uh, Home Depot Foundation. They're big supporters of veterans, uh, veteran housing needs. So we'll hopefully continue that. And then also just get more, uh, more organizations involved with us uh, to be able to continue to do it. I mean, we'd love to think of this whole area building houses, you know. Yeah, but if people want to get involved, I mean, there's always a, a space for people to, to, to get involved with us. Were you in need of new housing? Uh, uh, I mean, I just consider it an honor and a privilege to even be considered. I have been homeless uh, three times since I've been out of the military, uh, and I've had, you know, the grace of God, uh, numerous people have stepped up to you know, see that I had a roof over my head, uh, and now I'm living with another veteran, and he owns the home we live in, and his situation has changed to where I have to know move on in my life at this point but he was more than generous to allow me to you know stay at his stay at his home so. so how did you get involved with um, Appalachia Service Project did you uh, contact them or well yeah what I did was uh, when my uh, veteran friend that I'm staying with 
uh, made me aware that he was going to be needing the house yep. back this coming summer. In January, I started looking, putting different feelers out. I applied through uh, Eastern 8, uh, checked into Habitat for Humanity, looked at uh, a regular commercial real estate mortgage type deal, and then I also checked with ASP. And uh, I initially uh, was uh, put in touch here with Miss Reed, uh, and we had our initial meeting or whatever, and I was initially told that, you know, maybe right now I'm not in a position to, you know, uh, qualify for for a home through ASP or help with a home. And then I got a call back, and I guess it was about two weeks later from Miss Reed, and she informed me that she had took my application to the financial manager, and they had reviewed it and I qualified under a different set of parameters being a veteran. So, and this is where it's led, and thanks to the grace of God and His blessings, and ASP and all the, all the very kind and helpful and generous staff, I'm, I'm getting a new home. Okay. Do you know which one of the three is yours? Uh, ETSU. ETSU, okay. One with the locals. Okay. Have you talked to them at all during the process? Yeah, yeah, I've uh, uh, talked to Chris a couple of times, talked to Adam several times, uh, and I'm, you know, root, rooting all the teams on because they're all doing it for you know for a veteran family. Uh, so I mean, I'm just I'm just humbled to be involved in the process at this point. Yeah, I come from a family of, uh, I'm the youngest of six brothers yeah. and sisters. Uh, there's two sisters and four brothers, but uh, beginning of December of last year, we lost one of our brothers. Uh, he lived in uh, North Dakota, and uh, so now I'm the youngest of five. Blessed to be where I'm at, have the friends I have, and, and the VA's been extremely good to me. That's good. Uh, Tina's gonna get a new home. Yeah. Say, so Daddy will put a fence up in the backyard for me. Yeah, we'll give that a shot. <laughs> uh, volunteer. If they'll allow me to, I'll come out after it's on the site and help hammer a few nails okay. on my home when it's on site. And I've uh, been in touch with Al Bentz, the B-Team coordinator, leader, and uh, I'm going to uh, get with them and, and do some volunteer work with that the B-Team. Next up, here's Brian Woodson with the Sports Roundup. Hello, this is Brian Woodson, sports editor with the Bristol Herald Courier. We just finished another busy race week here in Bristol. 
I'm here with Alan Gregory, our NASCAR beat writer. I'm just going to talk to him a little bit about the race. Uh, Alan, what were your two our big takeaways from the race on Sunday? First off was the absolute brilliance of Kyle Busch. You know, he faced all sorts of challenges. He had a wreck on, on lap one. He had da a damaged rear. Um, and he just kept charging. You could see him coming through the uh, field, taking all sorts of just, you know, six-foot passes. And as soon as there he was at the end, Thanks to a good pit call, um, he pulled his, out his eighth win. Just, just uncanny. And then the other story was attendance. You know, um, the race was, you know, in terms of aesthetics, the race was wonderful. Uh, two lanes of racing, all sorts of passing, 21 passes for the lead, which is, you know, a remarkable number. But um, for whatever reason, the fans didn't come out, and that's it's just not a part of unique to Bristol. It's, um, it's all through the sport, you know. My estimation was 38,000 fans, which would be the same number as last week at Texas. And that same number, you know, it beats like the Super Bowl and uh, Final Four, Major World Series, but fans here in Bristol are used to a much larger number, and um, there was a little bit of soul searching uh, after that. Which, you know, those many empty seats couldn't make for good optics. What do you think the solution is? It seems like it's a problem all across, not only NASCAR, but sports in general. Yeah, like millennials, uh, they want instant gratification. They're, they're not, they, they like the snazzy, uh, shiny phones and the big TVs. And they're used to, you know, the computers, they're used to something happening right now instead of waiting three hours for, like, you know, extended drama or motion picture. Um, and again, there's problems throughout sports. The tennis is down in pretty much every game except the NFL. Uh, as for Bristol, I hear common thing. They want the old Bristol back with all the carnage, but that kind of racing is messy, and cars don't like it. The drivers don't like it. They want room to pass. So it's kind of a dilemma right there. Yes, it is. Um where do you, what, Cal Bush, I mean, you either like him or you hate him, one or the other. And, uh, it is, you know, people just look at what he does. I mean, he's a lot like an Earnhardt type guy. He doesn't hold back. He's really very, he's kind of a little bit like an intimidator. He doesn't, nothing bothers him. He wants to win. He's going to do everything he can to win. Exactly. And he loves to antagonize fans. He feeds off that. That's his motivational rocket fuel, the reaction of fans, especially if he gets a bull or something. And, uh, one thing he's overlooked is his stamina. You know, he's swept three races here at Bristol. That's three races in one week. And how do you, you know, one race will just wipe you out mentally and physically. He just keeps coming back and um, winning again and again at Bristol. It's just, it's just an amazing feat. It definitely is. And it's, I, don't, I guess you probably saw the Earnhardt race during oh, the yeah. time. And, uh, this was a lot of about this weekend was about Earnhardt and his 40th yeah. anniversary of his first win. What do you remember about him and what was he, what was, what type of driver was he, what kind of, it seemed like he really loved Bristol. And he had the same sort of aggression that Bush does, but he had that uh, physical strength and just iron will about him. He would, he would force, force the action. And he had that show in the field, which is kind of missing in, missing in NASCAR now. And fans loved that. You know, he was, to every man, he had the accent, and he loved to hunt and fish and do all those things. And um, his toleration was was aggressive from the start. You know, if he needed to, he would knock you out of the way. 
and uh, don't say that now, right? That's kind of actually much more, but uh, you know, what what a guy! What it's just a legend of the sport. He he'll always be an astronaut, many fans. And how about Daryl Walter retired, announced his retirement from broadcasting? He's been a tremendous driver, won the most races here in Bristol, and now he's stepping away. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of memories of him on the track and in the broadcast booth. The press conference uh, this week was one of the most one of the most emotional scenes I've seen in that part. You had drivers come into the room to listen to Daryl, and uh, yeah, most um, once he started telling those stories. It was just, um, he's a, when you can tell the story, he gets right to the heart of NASCAR. He talks about Junior Johnson, and, and um, old time fans especially, you know, they eat that up. And there was a lot of tears in the room, as you know. A lot of tears when he started talking about his wife and his, uh, and his uh, daughters. And um, the dude can weave a story now. You can tell a lot of fans love him on TV. Cause he, and he can, uh, he's passionate about the game. And, um, that comes across on TV, he will be best as well. Definitely. And um, what do you see happening now between now and August and NASCAR? What's going to be the storyline? I know we just now finished this race, but it's not too long before August gets here. What, what's going to be the storyline to follow you, think? I know fans are going to finish, but I see Kyle Busch. I think I should see him dominating this year. With the new rules set up with the, um, the outdoors and um, Horsepower it changes. It, it seems to be his style, and he's going to roll right now. And I just see him continuing to turn out wins. Okay, and uh, well, that'll do it today. Thank you, Alan, for joining us and and uh, enjoying what Alan has to say here. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this for a long time. And uh, please keep reading the Russell Harold Curry for his excellent racing coverage. Thank you. On the record is made possible by David McKee, David Krieger, Delina Matthews, and Brian Woodson. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.